I like your Fitbit. Do you remember the Staples Easy Button? Yes. <laughs> My dad used to own one. Really? <laughs> and I think he still has it, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> Where you hit A goes, that was easy. <laughs> I remember that. Well, we're here. We're here. Doing a podcast. And hello. To the Marble Forest peeps. And how are you all doing? Peeping? I would hope (laughs) not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we look up in the window behind us and all of our little fans are just like peeping in. I would be so excited. Well, I wouldn't be excited that they knew where I lived. (laughs) Um, But I would be excited that like... There would be people. <laughs> if that makes any people sense. People like us. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, we are here. This is the Marble Forest Podcast. I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is just a just a chill episode. Just me and Jessie relaxing with some wine. Devin's not here. Yep. Um... Theo is outside the room. Yep, just laying on the floor. Our mattress that is next to our podcast table is still here. Yeah, that's not leaving. I I know, but I just, you know, (laughs) pointing out things that were here and weren't. (laughs) Yep. Good job, Amber. (laughs) Thanks. So, we're here. Do we have anything to talk about? I bought a Fitbit. That's always exciting. I need to find my Fitbit. So, um, I am on the keto diet. Yes. Uh, which is awful and well it's not that awful like i can have whipped cream on it because there's no carbs in whipped cream it's kind of so- nice <laughs> you just go to starbucks and order some whipped cream yeah i think there's probably a lot of sugar in their star their whipped cream though probably i don't know i have to look it up but i bought a can of whip like low calorie whipped cream <laughs> just as a trigger just yeah it because I have a really bad sweet tooth, like really bad sweet tooth. Yeah. Like I'll like on my way home from work, I'll buy like a package of gummy bears and a Red Bull. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'd buy chips. Oh, I still love chips though. No, like I don't eat sweet foods as much. Like I get sick of eating them really fast. So I'd rather eat like chips or beef jerky. I could literally eat Haribo gummy bears. Every single day of my life. <laughs> I do love gummy bears, though. Like, I really do like them. I just won't eat them in large quantities. I'll eat, like, a few of them, like a fourth of the bag, and then, like, leave it. Wow. Well, at least you have some self-control there, huh? It's just because I can't eat. It's too sweet after a while. I can eat an entire bag. And I've thought about buying, like, the the share size family bag, you know, where it's, like, this big resealable yeah. bag. And I'm like, I'd eat it in one sitting. <laughs> Let's all be real for a second. I would so well, eat it Well, maybe if you, setting. like, s- took the time when you first bought it and separated it out into, like, littler bags and just <laughs> let yourself have one bag. <laughs> that's hilarious, Amber. <laughs> like, that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so I bought a Fitbit because I'm trying to be healthy and shit. And my work just happened to have a discount on them. It's just nice. And I got to find mine. 
I have decided I'm training for a 5K. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I actually signed up for one, so oh. we'll see how that goes. Okay, where's it at? It's in, it's at some cider mill, uh, like an hour away. Mm. We get hard cider at the end of it, so. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I'm like, that's like one of the reasons why I signed up for it. And then when I signed up for it, I paid for an extra glass of cider. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, is, are you just doing it yourself or is Brendan doing it with you? Oh, Brendan hates running. Oh, me too. So you're just so, by yourself? Yep. I'm just by myself. Me and Theo. Okay. We ran walk 3.1 miles <laughs> the other day. Like the the day we were going to record and then didn't record. Yeah. And he had a blast. Oh, that's good. Except for he hated that, like, when we were running, he wasn't allowed to sniff anything on the ground. Oh. He wants to sniff the ground. He wants to sniff everything. I can hear him sniffing under the door. (laughs) (laughs) Now. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be a better me. Well, that's awesome. I wanted working out and stuff, but I know. Every time I work, I come home and I'm like, ugh pain so i just don't (laughs) maybe you go to the gym before you go to work probably on your mid-shift days (laughs) probably a good idea just wake up a little earlier because when i get home i cannot do anything but um yeah i went to uh frankenmuth yeah with devin and the jasons (laughs) in the jason square (laughs) well that was fun we went just for the day yeah and I got this cool thing, and I'm going to show it to you. Oh, yeah. I forgot to remind I you. I remembered. Oh, that's good. It's really Do I cool. Do close my eyes? No. <gasps> Ooh. Read it. It's a coin. And it says, Shady Milt's Silk Garter, Virginia City, Brothel Casino Food Whiskey Girls. <laughs> There's like... Where did you get this? There, It's a cat house token. So Wait a second. Why do you have it? That's... I bought it. It was like five bucks. And it was at like a barbecue store. And I liked it. So I was like, I'm going to get this. This is amazing. But it's like they're replicas. They uh, don't think they were actually ever used in the West, like for brothels and stuff. But yeah, they're like, kind here's of like, a token from a bitch. Yeah, like, like here I'm paying for my lay. Like, <laughs> but they're really, like, just kind of fun. And they were all different designs. Like, the back of the one I have says something about, like, taking a bath before. Clean fun with clean girls. Bath must, bath must be taken before entering rooms. Madam BJ. <laughs> <laughs> but it's spelled like, B E E like a a bumblebee <laughs> and J like a blue J. Um, Devin got one too, and I think hers says like three dollars on it. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, three dollars is cheap for a whore back then, huh? I mean, three dollars. In I was gonna try to figure out the conversion, but I don't have an exact year, it's so. Fine. But I thought it was really cool looking. It's just kind of a weird souvenir. So. Yeah, I like it. Did you get this at Frankenmuth? Yeah, I got Frankenmuth. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, there's just like this little barbecue store that also sells um like beef jerky. And Jason likes to go there because they sell like really weird jerkies. They sell like alligator oh, and kangaroo. I can have beef jerky on my diet. Ooh. We should go to Frankenmuth again. <laughs> we should. Right now. Let's stop podcasting. We'll be... 
back in a couple of hours. <laughs> We're just going there and turning around and coming back. I need beef jerky. Jesse, you live near a beef jerky place. I don't like that place. I don't. No. Okay. I th- when I I only went in there once and I thought the people were rude and I thought their shit was expensive. It is expensive. So, no, I don't like that place and I'm not going to pay for your expensive fucking jerky. <laughs> the stuff that Jason bought was really expensive too. But like he got like candy. But I bet it was better than the place around the corner. Maybe. I don't know. I've never been there. He got kangaroo, gator and ostrich. And I was like I'm not eating any of those animals, <laughs> but you had, I had fun with gator that. once. Did you? I didn't like it. No. It was like chewy, and like to make it in jerky form, like it was just like a, it was like a, there were like little bites. Okay. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like little bites, and it was chewy. And then to put that into jerky form, that's already chewy, <laughs> doesn't seem. Good. Makes sense to me. Yeah. No, I didn't try it. He said he liked it. He said it was like kind of spicy. And I was like, well, they probably put like a Cajun flavoring on it, right? So. Yeah. That was fun. We went there. We spent the day there. Came home. Oh, I saw um, Shazam. Shazam! Yeah. I really want to see it. It was good. It was. It was really good. I was actually like really surprised how good I, like how much I liked it. And Jason didn't want to go with us because he was like, oh, I'm not going to like it. And I was like, you probably will like it. And he's like, it's like sort of dumb funny from the trailers. Yeah, he's like, it looks like dweeby. Like, I don't want to go see it. Dweeby. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we went and saw it. It was really good, though. Um, The trailers, I feel like, don't do it enough justice for the movie. Yeah. But it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But that's about it. That's that's my life for the last week. Yeah. I think I'm ready to jive on in. Oh, we remembered to we jive did, on did. in. I was thinking about that literally in the car. That we have to remember the jive in. Not even on the way here. Like this morning when I was driving my car, my mom's car to the dealership to get the oil change. I was like, yeah, we got to really remember to jive on into it. Maybe we should make us like a cute little poster or something. Oh my gosh, we should make a cute little poster. And we can put it somewhere. Like, like on our wall. Jive to the hive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we are the queen bees here. I will uh, flip the coin. Okay. Since Devin's not here. Ugh. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it flipped. It did flip. It sounded, you made the most wimpy noise I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it was the heaviest coin. It's really heavy. It's like, this little tiny piece of wood is so heavy. Sure. So, now we can drive on into it. Yeah, let's drive on into it. Do, 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 boop, boop, do, 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 driving, driving. <laughs> <laughs> Best drive music I've ever heard. Yeah, we'll just, I'll just copy and paste that in. Every episode. Every episode. (laughs) So, my story is a legend and a ghost story. Ooh. Ooh. So, my story is the story of the Bell Witch. Ooh, fancy. Ooh. So, in the 1800s, John Bell and his family moved from North Carolina to what has become Adams, Tennessee. For a couple of years, he gained more land totaling 328 acres, 
which he cleared for planting. Okay. Uh, one day in 1817, when he was in his cornfield, he encountered an interesting-looking animal. An interesting-looking animal? Do you have a picture? Of course I have a picture. Oh I have an God. artist's rendering of the animal. So, standing there in the... Hold on. I'm kind of scared. It's an interesting-looking animal. I want to see this picture. I'm trying to get to the... It's in a Google Doc. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> half of my story's on my phone and half of it's... <laughs> <laughs> in this my is exciting. Yeah. They're standing in the middle of the row of corn, what appeared to be the body of a dog with the head of a rabbit. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's an um great Photoshop. Yeah, right? I really like the demon red eyes. I do too. I like the demon red eyes. I like that they're both black. Yeah. It looks like uh the body of maybe a lab with just a head of a bunny yep. just photoshopped right on it yeah so like just think of like a dog sized bunny head okay that's big like easter bunny that's terrifying <laughs> so what did he do to this dog rabbit thing um, he shot at it that seems like what most people would do yep and it just vanished. It vanished. It just poofed. It didn't run off. It vanished. Yes. It just poofed away. Gross. And he just went about his day and thought nothing of it. I wouldn't think nothing of seeing a dog bunny. No. Like, what would you call that? A rabid dog? Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was bad. Oh. <laughs> uh. A rabbage. <laughs> yeah, I I think I would be a little um thrown off by that for the rest of my day, at least. A dab it. <laughs> but things got worse. And after dinner that night, they began to hear a beating sound on the side of their log cabin. Ew, I don't like that. So this began to increase and get more forceful every night. And John and his sons would go out and investigate with no luck to find the culprit. So, like, beating, not, like, a knocking noise. Yeah, no, like, you're fucking pounding. Like, someone's sitting there, like, open palms smacking your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try doing that on my brick house. I bet you I won't hear it. <laughs> You'll hear, ow. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, things began to get worse. And the children began complaining of having their bed covers pulled off of them and their pillows tossed on the floor. Ew. Yeah, so it was just, like, ruining their their night. Ruining their day. And night. And every waking moment. Oh, God. <laughs> I would hate that because I am a person specifically, like, I have to have the covers over me all the time when I'm sleeping. Like, I can't sleep without a blanket. So yeah. if my blankets were just getting ripped off of me, yeah, I'd be miserable. I can do, like, the one foot out, I but I, like, I still need, like, the cover over my torso. I can't do that. My legs are, like, I have to be cocooned in the blankets. Like, my legs literally have to, like, my feet have to be completely covered. So, then came the whispering voices. Oh, no. That apparently sounded like an old woman singing hymns. Ew. So, after a while, um... Betsy, the daughter, and the other, like, females of the household were getting brutally beaten by an invisible entity. What the fuck? By the ladies singing hymns? Yeah, probably. No, that's awful. Yeah. 
She's just hemming and hawing along and just smacking. Just the women. Just the women. Oh. Sexist. Yeah. What are they not doing their household chores? Good enough for you, ghost? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So... The beating would leave handprints on their face and body as long as as well as pulling their hair. Ooh, that's awful. Like just think of like an invisible handprint just like all of a sudden. Just handprints on your face. Yeah. Brendan comes home, looks at you, he's like, Why do you have a handprint on your face? Well, I was bitch slapped by a ghost today. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Do you want to do anything about it? No, you can't. So the family tried keeping all of this a secret until it became too much for them. And so they told their neighbor, neighbor, James Johnston. James Johnston? Yeah. JJ. JJ. So JJ came over <laughs> and he stayed the night and the same stuff began to happen. The, the covers were getting pulled off and the bitches were getting slapped, <laughs> as I put it in this thing. And so uh, JJ eventually screamed, in the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? And everything stopped and became peaceful. There was no response? There was no stop, no response, but everything stopped. Ooh, that's weird. Yes. So everything stopped for the rest of the night. Okay. Just the night? Yeah. Whew. But, unfortunately, it didn't last long. Of course it didn't. So the following night, the voice grew stronger. The hi- The hymns became louder. So just the lady singing hymns, she started screaming her hymns? Yeah. Not like quiet, peaceful, like whispering them under your breath, but now she's like screaming them. Yeah. Okay. She She's over it. <laughs> and it could now carry on in an intelligent conversation... And even quoting scripture. That would talk to them now. Yes, it talks to them. So, like, there's just, like, an invisible thing just speaking to you. And slapping you. And slapping you. (laughs) I feel like it's, like, a nun. I was thinking that, too. (laughs) So it's, like, a nun, and you didn't do your lesson right, so you get slapped with a ruler. (laughs) Then she just wants to sing hymns to you. Yeah, you don't know what scripture I'm quoting? Slap. (laughs) The ghost ended up quoting two sermons... That were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. Like at the same, did the ghost do two sermons at the same time? I'm not quite sure, but in the story it said that the voices were the two different ministers. So like, oh, so it just projected the minister's voices into their house. Yes. Speaking the two different sermons. Oh, that's creepy. Yes. How did it do that? It's a. It's a it's a crazy demon. And it just was like, I put two microphones in both of these churches. <laughs> and I'm the speaker. I, since I am the demon speaker, the demon ghostly speaker, I can split myself into two and sit in both sermons while simultaneously recording them and then speak them to you later. <laughs> Were they like, does it did it say if it, they were being like at the same time that they were the sermons were happening it was being projected into the house we can go with that cuz that would be crazy yeah let's go with that let's let's paint that picture so at the same time that these two sermons 13 miles away are were happening. happening she 
is just blurting out the sermons. The sermons in the minister's voices. That's crazy. And 13, they were both 13 miles away or 13 miles apart. Well, I'm just assuming the churches were. Okay. And so eventually John's oldest daughter, oldest sons, I don't, that says sons. I don't know where I got daughter (laughs) from. So eventually John's oldest sons were old enough to join the military. They fought under General Jackson and Jackson ended up hearing all about the witch and called it hoopla. So they just went into the, the military and they're like, Guys, check it. We lived in a haunted ass house. Yeah, they're just trying to tell cool stories where you when you're drinking with your bros. Yeah. And they're just like, it was insane. That- My sister got slapped so hard you could see a handprint across her face. All the time, like almost every day. And so and she sung hymns in our house. Like quiet whisper hymns. So he wanted to see it for himself. Because that's a lot of hoopla. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of hoopla. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I just like SpongeBob references. Oh, okay. It's fine. I don't know SpongeBob references. It's fine. All right. I'm sorry. Devin was here. She would accept them. Okay. Um, that's actually a reference I make all the time. (laughs) Like I've made it at least four times this week. Anyway. Okay. That's good. So they were approaching the property by wagon. And suddenly stopped, and the hor- like as if the horses could not continue, as if something was sticking them to the ground. Ew! Or the wheels of the wagon were stuck to the ground, and the horses couldn't pull it anymore. So like the horses just couldn't go any further. Yeah. And the wagon was stuck. Yes. Like it was like rolled in a bunch of bubble gum. Yeah, and, and then just- it just. And then the bubble gum hardened, and then you couldn't move anywhere. (laughs) And then they just had gummy wheels. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, since they could not move anymore, the general said, it must be the bell witch. Which then a disembodied voice responded, telling them that they could move onto the property, and they would be seen later tonight. She just wanted to be acknowledged. Yeah, probably. She's like, this guy doesn't believe I'm here. I'm going to stop his carriage. Ah, and then he's just like, hey, witch. Must be you. Must be you. And you're like, uh, I guess you're right. You're right. I'll see you tonight. Yeah. Big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so hours later, they were just hanging out in the house. And one military idiot was claiming to be a witch tamer. A witch tamer. Yeah. How do you tame a witch? Um. Well... Not much is known on that, because since nothing was happening, that's why he claimed this. Oh. So that's, I think he just in general, his <laughs> essence was a witch He's tamer. He's just like, yeah, guys, I'm a witch tamer, so like, the witch is not gonna come attack us, because I tame witches. Yeah, and he was also carrying silver bullets. Oh, so he can also shoot werewolves. And Wendigo. And Wendigo. Can't kill him without no. all the rest of his tools. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but you can damn well try. <laughs> I picture a witch tamer as like a lion tamer, but the lion is a witch. <laughs> the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> so the witch had to show everyone that he was full of shit. 
Oh, oh yeah, because she's not going to take that shit from no witch tamer asshole who's not really a witch tamer. Yep. And she literally threw him out of the house. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. The witch also claimed that there was another fraud among the group, and he would be identified in the same way. By being thrown out of the house? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the general's team ended up... uh, Not the general, but the general's team tried leaving. (laughs) And he was like, I'm staying here. But they were not allowed. Oh, they couldn't leave or like the general was like, no. I'm pretty sure it was the general who was like, no. We're staying. Yeah. We need to see this out. So they went to sleep in their tents outside the house. Well, I would not be staying in the house either, personally. So the next morning... They were spotted already on their way to Nashville with no explanation as to why they left. So they just left. Yeah. Okay. They didn't want to deal with that anymore. They did not stay. No breakfast. Yeah. They were just out. Yeah. So, but things continued to get worse for the family. John's daughter, Elizabeth, ended up falling in love with a boy named Joshua Gardner. Ooh. I know. But the witch disapproved of this relationship. <laughs> she's, and she's like an, a grandma. Yeah. She just doesn't like it. She disapproves of a lot of things. She's like, uh, no, girl, you can do better. I know I slap you every day, but you can do better. <laughs> yeah. And she would taunt them whenever they tried to go out on like their little dates to the river or the field or the cave <laughs> how would she taunt them does it say i think pretty much just saying that he was a bad boyfriend right <laughs> <laughs> and saying that like from what i remember reading from saying that like oh this will never work out He's not right for you. (laughs) In my own words, not in the story's words. (laughs) That's exactly how it was. Yeah. And so, like, eventually, after a while, you know, it really gets to you. She seems like she's just trying to be, like, one of those supportive friends. But, like, not not, being supportive. But, like, supportive of you and not the relationship where you're just like, no, honey, this guy's awful. He never takes showers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But, but like, also they were trying to... to go to the river to probably take a shower and wash their clothes. That's fair, but she also just wants to bitch slap you. Yeah. So. So, it got to the point where Elizabeth broke off her engagement. Aw. And sad day. Wah, wah. But her hatred was not only directed at Joshua. She hated him? Yeah, she didn't like him. She didn't want... Elizabeth oh. to marry him. <laughs> I thought you meant Elizabeth's hatred. I was like, why does she hate no, him? No, 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 no. We're talking about the witch. Okay. So the witch's hatred was not only directed at Joshua, but she swore that she would kill John Bell. Oh. Yeah. So in his old age, like, so we're just sort of fast forwarding through the entire family's life. Okay. So in his old age, he began experiencing a lot of health problems confining him to the house. And he would suffer from seizures, which the witch made worse by slapping him and removing his shoes. Wait. So he'd have a seizure and she'd just take his shoes off? Yeah, maybe she thought she was helping, but, like, they didn't think it was helpful. Maybe she was taking his shoes off and smacking him with his shoes. That could be a possibility. 
Just like beating him senseless while he's shaking on the floor. With his own shoes. Yes. That would be awful. That would be awful. Because I don't, I just don't understand why that she would take off his shoes other than to hit him with them. Yeah. So the witch ended up poisoning him and he died. She poisoned him? Yes. Oh, how did, how'd she do that? I don't quite know. Okay. He just sort of died. He succumbed to the witch's brew. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, and so after John's death, the witch disappeared. She never, she was just wasn't there? Yeah, she was just like, I've done what I wanted to. Goodbye. I just wanted to get rid of him. I just wanted him gone. He fucking shot at me, that bastard. Yeah. He deserves it. But, like, she waited, like, a good chunk of his life to get rid of him. (laughs) She was like, I still want him to live his life, but be miserable the whole time. Then I'll kill him. Yeah, exactly. After John's death, uh, the witch disappeared. I just said that. And the next year, she came back and told the remaining family that she would be back in seven years. Very specific. So she just came back to be like, hey, I'm coming back in seven years. Yeah. And then left. Yeah. She's just like, hey, so you know, I still exist. I'm still here. I'm still here. But, like, I got some things to do. So, like, I'll see you in, like, let's say seven years. Seven years sounds good. I I got a vacation. Yeah, I got a lot of things planned. But, like, I'll see you then. Seven years from now. Giving you a little heads up. Watch for me. I'll be here. Yep. So, she did end up visiting them in seven years. And John Bell... Uh, to John Bell Jr. to tell him <laughs> that she would visit a direct descendant again. So she came back <laughs> seven years later yeah. just to be like, I'm going to visit one of your descendants one day and then yeah. leave. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> she still has a lot of things going on she's in her life. Really, she's just really trying to get her life in order. She's trying to like become... She like spent so much time with the Bell family like as they were growing up. You know, like, she's just like, I wasted so much of my life yeah, and she doing just needed, that. She just needed her time. Like, Yeah, she just needed a break. Vacation. But, like, since she home. said she'd be there, she just had to show up. She had to, because, like, if she didn't show up in the seven years, they would think she didn't exist anymore. And yeah. And just, you can't do that. Yeah, you're like, I need this, them to still know I exist. So, in 107 years, it was 1935. Okay. And at that time, the closest living descendant was Dr. Charles Bailey Bell, which he wrote a book about his family's witch in 1934. So, like, a year before he had just written a book about it. Yeah. So, he had written a book about his family's experiences. Okay. And I'm sure it was passed down, like, through his family. Like, oh, she said she's coming back. Yeah. Watch for her. She's coming back. She's, She's coming for someone. you. Yeah. But there wasn't really much that they said that she came back to him with. But in 1937, there were several reports from the current owner of the farm that included the cave. So, oh. like, some of the land got split off and, like, the little section with, like, the cave got split off to a new owner. And he had heard unexplained noises coming from the cave oh yeah and so at this time the bell descendants experienced similar to the first haunting by knocking on the house and the bed sheets and other in piano music 
Oh, instead of hymns this time, we're going yeah. piano music. Yeah, this is what she learned in the 107 years. She learned to play the piano. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, I can just, like, hymn along with this. But, like... She wanted to better herself. Yeah. And she, she found her real true passion playing the piano. She loved it. Yeah. She wants to be a concert pianist. <laughs> yep. And so she's just practicing her skills. So there were other reports from the cave that at a wiener roast... A wiener roast? At a rock quarry near the cave, they saw a figure of a woman sitting on top of the cliff that caused a lot of people to leave the wiener roast. (laughs) So they were, like, outside of the cave, roasting their wieners. Yeah, just having a good time. And she was just chilling on the top of the cliff... Yeah. Like, looking down, thinking, wow, I wish they would have invited me to the wiener roast. This is so rude. Yeah, exactly. And then everyone was like, do you guys see that crazy looking person up there? They're like, I I, I would probably be like, yeah, so I'm just going to leave before they like jump off that cliff because it's a little sketchy right now. Yeah, I think I would have left too. So they tried to debunk this sighting by saying it was the moon and like one of the rocks while the others say the moon was barely visible that night. Oh, okay. So you had to be there. You had to be there to see it. Yeah. So another time in 1965, one of the Bell descendants sold a family rocking chair to an antique store. A customer ended up sitting in the chair and a voice told her to stand up and look around. You will find something of much value. Well, at that moment, she didn't really find anything of much value. Um, but later on that day, her car broke down and she wandered. She just was just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> and wandered into a field and found a kettle with a pearl buckle bracelet. A pearl buckle bracelet. A pearl buckle bracelet that was dating back 160 to 200 years old. Oh, yeah, so it was that de- it was clearly very valuable that she found. So like that was nice, right? Yeah, she's like, "Hey, you look cool. If you stand up and look around right now, I'll get you back." Yeah, and she did. Yeah, just like be open to your surroundings. Sometimes the switch seems like she likes people, and sometimes she really doesn't. Yeah, right. Maybe, so, like, maybe in the case of Elizabeth and Joshua, maybe she just wanted Elizabeth all for herself. Maybe she did. Maybe she was like, um, that's mine. That's my friend. Or that's my girlfriend. Yeah. So, I have some more accounts. So, in 1977, someone remembered from their childhood that in 1944, they were exploring the cave, playing hooky from school, when... They were inside and her lantern blew out with no breeze in the cave. She managed to relight the lantern and it blew out again. Terrified, she ended up crawling along a small water path in the cave in the dark until she reached the entrance. Where she found an open can of pork and beans and marshmallows. Oh. So, later on that evening, they found two escaped fugitives in the back of the cave. Oh. But she did credit the witch for helping her avoid them. So they were in the cave. They had escaped. And she's like, I'm going to go play hooky into this cave. Yeah. And then there's these two fugitives hanging out in the back. And then the witch is like, you can't see this. Do not go in here. Yeah. 
Like, she wanted her to get out of there. Yeah. See, sometimes the witch sounds like she's nice. Is she nice to hiding fugitives? I mean, she might not be personally hiding them, but they just went into her cave. Yeah. And she just didn't want this small, child-ish, toddler, I was trying to say teenager. She didn't (laughs) want this girl going in there and getting more injured or hurt or stuff. Yeah. Another story was in 1977, it was reported that a group of five soldiers went to the Bell Witch Cave. One of the soldiers was sitting on a rock when he expressed skepticism of the legend when something invisible grabbed him around the chest. Ew. Like, hugging, sort of? Yeah, maybe just like a gentle squeeze. Okay, she's just like, I'm right here. I'm here for you. (laughs) Hey, hunky boy. How are you today? She's just a flirt. Yeah. (laughs) Bell Witch is a flirt. Yep. In 1986... A photographer and journalist was given permission to sleep in the cave overnight. Um, why would you ever want to do that? Because legends. You gotta find out. You, your journalism really speaks in your soul. You know. To so go you, sleep in a cave? Yeah, to go sleep in a cave. Gotta debunk it. In what year? Uh, 1986. Is there air mattresses? Like, what am I sleeping on the floor in a cave? A camp mat? I mean, a cot maybe? Yeah, they had water beds back then. I'm pretty sure they had air mattresses. They did have water beds. That's that's fair. Maybe he had an old timey air mattress. Maybe he just brought his water bed. He brought his water bed to the cave. Yep. He filled it up with the little creek. <laughs> it didn't spring a leak at all from being on a rocky ground. Nope. Because because those were durable. Durable water bed. Durable water bed. So While in the cave, he heard a noise from deeper inside the cave. It sounded like an unwavering groan, and it repeated again at louder volume, accompanied by several loud thumps. Ew. When it began the third time, the men retreated to the gate entrance, and they explored the wiring and lights looking for a reason for the noises. They couldn't really find anything, and so they went back to the first cave room where they heard a rumble near the entrance. And so they walked back to the entrance and they discovered it was just a rumble from a jet. (laughs) Oh, okay. But as they reached the gate, a loud high-pitched scream came from inside the cave. Oh, so it was groaning. Yeah. And then screaming. Yeah. And then so the journalist left and didn't spend the night. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't either. But there not there, like, a part of you that's like, is there a real person back there? Part of you, yeah. But did he grab his, air, uh, his waterbed? I, I don't think so. Maybe he just left the waterbed to the witch. Maybe she was screaming in excitement for the left of waterbed. Yeah, she thought that he was leaving it there for her to begin with. Yeah. And that's why she screamed, and he was like, fuck it, she can have it. In 1987, uh, an owner of a gas station reported that about 20 years ago, he had ran out of gas near the Red River across from the Bell Witch Cave. He began to walk towards town when a rabbit came out of the woods and began to follow him. He walked faster, but the rabbit kept pace. He even broke out into a run, and and after a mile, he sat down on a log to catch his breath because he just fucking gave up from the creepy <laughs> rabbit. He was like, holy fuck, there's a rabbit behind me. And he just started booking it. And then he's like, it's still behind me, but I gotta catch my breath. And he just sat down. Yeah, so the rabbit ended up hopping up onto the other side of the log, 
oh looked at God. him and said, Hell of a race we had there, wasn't it? What the fuck? <laughs> it talked to him? Yeah. It thought it was racing. Yeah. He just, like, wants to, like... Maybe, like, the witch finally figured it out to get, like, the full rabbit form instead of the rabbit dog form. Yeah, like, she was confused for a while about what a rabbit actually, like, looked like. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, oh, it's smaller. Oh, not huge and dog-like. Yeah. So... Today, um, the Bell Witch Cave is owned and managed, um, and they offer tours in the cave. Oh, fun. So over the course, they've made several improvements to the cave, which included new lights, a new electrical system, new and improved path into the cave, wooden walkways across the most treacherous areas of the trail, and among other things. Okay. So they began to notice that there were strange noises that didn't have an easy explanation. So they like fixed it all up and then there's like these still the weird noises in the cave. Yeah. No, like, but we've been throughout this cave fixing it up. Exactly. One of the people who own it says that we've heard them in the cave and we've heard them in the house. And I feel like if there's any place that could be haunted, it's this place here. First of all, it's got the legend of being haunted and there's also an Indian burial ground right at the mouth of the cave. Of course there is. And the previous owner of the cave died in the bedroom of the house. Oh. Yeah, so there's just like a lot going on. Yeah. So one day, one of the tour guides and her dog were leading a tour of the cave for a group of visitors. She was just opening the seal gate. That leads inside when she heard a strange sound. The same sort of sound described as raspy breathing sound. Ew. Like someone couldn't get their breath and it only lasted for a minute and then it was gone. So she's like getting ready to open the cave for the day. Yeah. With like a group of people behind her. Oh. Her and her dog. That's awful. Me and Theo open in the cave for the day. And we hear some crazy shit. Theo starts barking. It gets crazy. The tour guide looked back at the group and found out that they were all quietly talking amongst themselves and hadn't heard a thing. So none of them noticed. Yep. Well, because it's not to the good part of the cave yet. So why are you even paying attention? You're just at the beginning. Yeah. The tour continued. So she began telling stories of the witch and the haunting and the strange incidents on the farm and surrounding area. And as she was talking, the dog suddenly reacted to something that no one else could see. The hair on the dog's back stood up and it began showing its teeth and growling. The tour asked what was wrong with the dog. Like, okay, are you just like, dude, what's wrong with your dog? Like, You're even on a tour. You're on a haunted cave. Haunted cave. <laughs> and the dog starts acting. You're just like, what's wrong with that dog? I'm like, your dog's scary. Jeez. <laughs> Like, let me just take, a, like, a couple more selfies, but, like, your dog is so totally ruining this vibe right now. Your dog is, like, creeping me out. Yeah. And so, finally, able to get the dog to calm down, the dog began whining and ended up tucking its tail between its legs and cowered behind her. Oh. And at the same moment, her flashlight went out. Oh, of course it did. So, at first, I guess it was the battery. But then um, a lady's video camera stopped working, too. 
And they were just standing in the dark. Ew. And so, at that point, everyone was just ready to get out. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. Like, there's no light source at all at this point. Yeah. Just just hanging out in a cave. In the dark. And the dog's freaking out. Yeah, we'd be leaving. Yeah. So, there's also been um, reported strange apparitions that have been seen uh, in the cave by visitors and staff. Um, some of the shapes are, like, misty and fog-like, sometimes appearing in different parts of the cave only to have vanished when approached. Okay. Some are called it looking like heat waves. Oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah. So, you can see them out of the corner of your eye and then they're gone. And it just kind of, like, looks like the air is kind of moving a little bit. Yeah, like, like someone's there. Like, it's, like, maybe defined, like, like, a person, but, like, it's just so wavy and weird and out of the corner of your eye that you just don't know what happened. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe that ghost is just, like, really hot. <laughs> That's why you can see its heat waves. Yeah. Okay. So, one of the ongoing traditions of the cave Involves removal of any sort of artifact from the premises. It can be rocks or anything else from inside the cave. Uh, some people believe that perhaps the energy in the area is embedded into whatever they take from the cave. And they are inviting the phenomenon to occur and travel with them. So, you're, so like if I were to pick up a rock, you'd be like, hey, this is my rock from the Bell Witch Cave. Yeah. I'd be haunted. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So on that note, you'll be haunted. And I'm done. Okay. That that's the story of the Bell Witch. Um, it is a lot more longer and detailed of a story than I chose to portray. Well that's fine. I mean we're a podcast, so we'd both tell stories. Yeah. So if you want to look it up, look it up. It's a lot longer of a story. I did want to get like current day experiences in there yeah so that's why i made the story shorter than it normally right. is yeah that's really cool yeah way to go are you ready i am ready all right so i'm doing the betty and barney hill abduction i don't think i've ever heard of that no maybe i have maybe it's not one of like the first main big reported abduction cases okay but we're gonna get into it all right are you ready i'm so ready all right i love abduction cases i really do too i've gotten really into aliens lately (laughs) yeah i can see so on september this takes place on september 19th 1961 um the new hampshire couple barney and betty hill were returning from vacation from the niagara falls betty was 41 and barney was 39 And they were not a customary 1960s couple. Yeah. So they were an interracial couple. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. And it was, you know, very controversial at the Uh, time. Of course. Barney was an African-American of Ethiopian heritage who had been born in 1922 in Newport News, Virginia at the young, and he was the youngest of four children. Okay. Okay. Um, as a young man, he enlisted in the United States Army during World War II before being honor- honorably discharged at the end of the conflict. Afterwards, he enrolled at Temple University and would later marry a woman named Ruby Horn, whom he had two children with. Okay. And then eventually Ruby and Barney did divorce, but Barney would find his new love and would marry Betty. 
a white woman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Eunice Elizabeth Bartlett, usually referred to as Betty. Okay. Uh, was a couple of years older than Barney. She so was, she hated her name Eunice. Uh, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Betty is a nickname for Elizabeth. So, like, obviously she tried not to go by Eunice as much as possible. So she was born in June of 1990. And she she had, she had like, kind of a similar background. Not, wait, 1990? 1919. 1919. That's why you're... Con- okay. okay. <laughs> there we go. We got it. I was just like... Um, the math doesn't make sense to me, Amber. <laughs> okay, now I understand why you were confused. Okay. So she was born in 1919, but she was kind of of a similar background to Barney. She was uh, well-respected. Her She led the life of a respectable social worker. She was like an esteemed member of her community. She had a master's degree in social sciences from the nearby University of New Hampshire and had been become the supervisor of her local child welfare department. Oh, that's good. Yeah. She's going places. She's going places. So Barney and Betty would fall in love and throughout the following years, they would remain in love even after everything that happened to them. They stayed together. The two would move to Betty's um ports like her her native hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They lived there. It was about an hour north of Boston, Massachusetts, where Barney would commute every day for work. Oh. So he commuted an hour every day for work. And he became a postal worker and he would re- he stayed a postal worker for a really long time. You're commuting an hour away just to be a postal worker. I'm pretty sure there's a post office somewhere closer to you. <laughs> Probably. That's a long commute. That is a long commute. Just to be a post, like, postal worker. But did he, like, deliver the mail or did he work in the post office? Still, I feel like there's a closer post office. Probably. So they were well regarded in their community. Barney had served as a member of the local civil rights commission at the time where race relations were very like heated. Betty and Barney were very involved in the ongoing racial debate. Barney received multiple commendments for his work in the civil rights movement, including being honored for his outstanding service in the community by governor by the governor of New Hampshire. He was even invited to the inauguration of Lyndon Johnson in 1963 just to give credence to his renown in the New England community. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. They were both active in their local chapter of the NAACP, and they were, you know, kind of a pioneer in their own way from being an interracial couple. They were very, like... Yeah, they sound like they very much want to, like, make sure their communities around them are in good shape. Yeah, they're very, like, into the civil rights movement, and they really just want to kind of, like, get equality and everything. Yeah. So, back to September of 1961. Okay. So, they were in New Hampshire, and they decided to take a short vacation to Canada in the Niagara Falls. Yeah. So, the couple... Because everyone knows that Niagara Falls is better in Canada. Yeah. The couple had visited Niagara Falls and Montreal, and they were on their way home. So, the night was really clear with a crescent moon shining. It was like a heavily wooded landscape. And they were. It was what kind of surrounded U.S. Route Three. Um. So at about ten fifteen, three miles south of the city of Lancaster, 
Barney noticed what appeared to be a bright star or planet, which seemed to be moving erratically. Barney pointed it out to Betty, and they began to both, like, keep track of the object. And this is on their way back from Niagara Falls? Yeah, they're on their okay. way home. So the couple thought that they were watching a plane appear or disappear as the movement of their vehicle caused, like, the trees would, like, obstruct yeah. the thing, and then it would come back into view. Um, later, Barney would state that he had tried to convince himself that the object was a plane, but Betty had thought that, had always thought it was something else, some sort of unidentifiable craft of some sort yeah as they reached indian head barney actually decided to stop the car to have a look at the object with his binoculars oh he just has binoculars on him i mean they went to niagara falls maybe he's well, like it's a pretty big waterfall I, I don't feel like you don't really need binoculars he to wanted see the to waterfall. see the rocks in the waterfall like really closely yeah he just wanted to like really just watch that water flow he wanted to like feel like he was in the water he wanted to feel like he was behind the falls (laughs) he wanted to be on the other side (laughs) he got out of the car and he's like watching it and from what he saw he saw multicolored lights a row of windows on a flat shaped object which now seemed to be moving towards him as the object moved to within a hundred feet of them he could see occupants inside so he became really frightened and he got into the car where betty was waiting and they sped away you could see occupants inside like he could see like people or something i i so is it like like a bubble like like one of those like cartoon like spacecrafts with like it's like a saucer with like a bubble on top and like like a flatter object always i'm gonna go back i always picture it as like traditional ufo style yeah like if you're gonna draw a ufo yeah. That's what it looks like, like. I think it's like the UFO that the uh, monsters in The Simpsons fly in. Perfect. That's what I'm, I'm down with that With one. the bubble top. Yeah, I love the bubble top. Yeah. So we could see them. And he was like, fuck this. <laughs> and he got in his car and he drove off. So the next thing they knew, they drove off from this spot. The next thing they knew, they were 35 miles further along in their trip and about two hours had gone by. Okay. So they're losing time. Yes. So when they finally got home to Portsmouth at dawn, they felt dirty. Their watches had stopped working. Barney's shoes were strangely scuffed and Betty's purple dress was ripped. Oh, okay. So uh, they're just like in this really weird mindset. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They literally on? have no, like they lost time. Yeah. Um, it was like two hours or so. Yeah. So Barney felt compelled to examine the lower half of his body when they got home. Okay. Um, not knowing, like, he didn't know why. Um, but they decided to go to bed. Okay. Um, and I believe they got home, like, really, really early. I think they, I think when I was read it was, like, they got home at, like, five in the morning or something like that. Like, they got home really, really, really early. Yeah. So, they both slept until the next afternoon. And then, that next day, Betty called the Pease Air Force Base and reported what she had seen. Barney Barney was like against reporting anything. Yeah. But Betty kind of insisted like she wanted to do it. Um he pr- was like wanted to stay silent on it. Yeah. So Bar- Betty reported the incident speaking to a major Paul W Henderson who told Betty that the UFO was also confirmed by our radar. Oh, neat. 
Um, the government confirming something? What? <laughs> Major Henderson found that this was that they there was two separate UFO reports from radars, radars, uh, and the data was from two different Air Forces installations nearby. All three were officially recorded in Project Blue Book. Okay. At this time, neither Barney or Betty recalled being abducted, like, at all. Yeah, except for their lost time. Yeah, they were just, like, something weird happened to them. They saw something weird, they lost a lot of time, they woke up, and they looked like shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, two weeks later, Betty began having nightmares. Oh, no. In her nightmares, she described being taken aboard an alien spacecraft against her will and having medical experiments performed um, on her. Eventually, as a result of the nightmares, they decided to undergo hypnosis. So it was around to like find out what happened. Yeah, to see if like maybe it was like a repressed thing. Yeah. So they underwent hypnosis in 1964. There's actually I started watching it. There's a YouTube video where you can listen to their hypnosis. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, I started listening to it and then I got really busy, so I stopped. But you can like go online and find their like the the recordings of their hypnosis. So originally before the hypnosis, Betty had wrote about her the beings in her nightmares, and she said that they were short guys with black hair and Jimmy Durant noses. I'm about to show you this guy's nose. Okay. I was just like, I really need to see this guy's face. Um one, who is Jimmy Durant? I think he's uh Amer he's an American singer. Apparently. Okay. That sounds familiar, yes. Are you ready for his nose? Yes. Is it all crooked and shit? Oh, it's whoa. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um It's like very bulbous at the end. It's it looks like he drinks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a cartoon character's nose. Yeah. So, like, the very tip of his nose looks like it blew up like a balloon. <laughs> it's really large. Like, I just Googled. Like, it got worse as he got older. Yeah. And isn't there, like, a condition where your nose gets bigger if you're, like, an alcoholic? I don't know. Mate, probably. I think there is something where your nose gets. I don't think your nose ever stops growing. Ew, I don't want it's my cartilage? nose to get bigger. I don't know. But it's, like, it's very large. It To me, it looks like if you were to, like turn on a cartoon and you see like this cartoon character and it's a normal like body shape everything else but the nose is like twice or three times as big as it should be yeah so her beings and her dreams had black hair and they were short and they had his like that big bulbous nose okay so it was just a bunch of the, this jimmy guy yeah like multiple versions of this jimmy guy maybe he really scared her <laughs> Maybe she just has, like, nightmares from him as a child. Maybe. And they're just invading her brain. (laughs) So it wasn't until their hypnosis session where we get the first kind of idea of what the beings looked like. And this description kind of goes on to be, like, the gray aliens that we think of now. Oh, okay. So not a giant-ass nose? No. Okay. So maybe, like, her brain was just replacing it... I was going to say, maybe he, um, she's just, like, replacing, maybe they didn't have noses. So, in her mind, she's just, like, picturing them with huge noses to overcompensate. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Like, have you ever seen a face without a nose? It's weird. 
It is weird. (laughs) It needs a nose. (laughs) The description of Barney described them first, and he described them as a skinny figure with gray skin, large bald heads, and huge black eyes. And through Betty's hypnosis, she also described the same type of being, and she never went on to describe her, like, nightmare creature again. Okay. So after, like, the hypnosis. Yeah, that was just her brain describing something that, like, she didn't didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. That couldn't compute. So they did, like, tons of sessions for this. They wanted to, like, piece together as much as possible about what happened. And so the therapist that helps them with this, um, this is kind of what they've pieced together. Yeah. So a vessel landed on top of the hill's car, putting them to sleep. Afterwards, gray beings walked them up a long ramp and onto the spacecraft. Okay. So once inside, the hills were separated. Took turns in the examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to climb up onto the metal table. The table was so short, Barney's legs hung over the side. Oh, okay. So it's like, they were like, oh, this is much longer than we are. We made this bed for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so during the examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, plucked strand of their hair, took clippings of their nails, and scraped their skin. Each sample was placed in a clear material that kind of was like a glass slide, but not exactly oh i was about to say a ziploc bag (laughs) (laughs) but also right now if you clip my nails i'd be so fucking angry at you because like i'm working on growing them out i'm working on growing mine out and i've been working on it but they always break and then i get just like my pinky nails they don't break now yeah and i have two (laughs) my pinky nails are long so ready for this next part yeah it's not pleasant oh oh okay So then needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs, and spines. Heads, arms, legs, and spines. Yeah, I didn't like that when I read that. One large needle around four to six inches long was inserted into Belly's bellies. Betty's belly. This was a kind of like a pregnancy test, and it left her twisting in pain. There's better ways to find out. <laughs> yeah. So throughout this whole thing, a being that Barney and Betty would call the leader was watching from, like, the side. Oh, watch it. I, I just assume of, like, Grey's Anatomy, like, watching from, like, the observation yeah. room upstairs. <laughs> it's just, like, an observation room. He just stood there and watched. Yeah. So after Betty's experimentation ended, uh, the beings rushed her back into the room, excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Oh, no. And Betty had laughed and explained that Barney had dentures. In fact, like, he had dentures. And then aliens were like, oh, look at this. We can take out his teeth. <laughs> chomp, 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 <laughs> Look, chomp. we can make him chomp. Like, the aliens, like, thought that was so good. They had a great time. They thought that was hilarious. Later, Betty was alone with the leader. And... She asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. And the being joked with her, saying, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Uh, later, Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Later, under hypnosis, she drew a star map that was shown to her on the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Casual, right? Just casual look at the star map that I just found through hypnosis. <laughs> like, I just drew this whole fucking star map. Does this look familiar to anyone? Because I sure don't know any <laughs> astrological stuff. So, in 1965, the Hill story was picked up by a Boston newspaper. After that, everything changed. The couple's story became the subject of a best-selling book and movie starring James Earl Jones. Oh, cool. And they had kind of become celebrities. So, obviously, there's people who believe that this story is a hoax. Yeah. Um, Betty is, like, noted in her lifetime to actually have had an obsession with UFOs. So, like... She was obsessed with them. So some people do think that, like, maybe they had just a weird experience or something and she, like, kept repeating the same story to Barney and then he just picked it up and that's how they, like, got the same story on hypnosis. Yeah. But people think it could be a hoax. But here are some of the items that are said to be, like, physical proof of their abduction. Okay. So the first one is the star map drawn by Betty. Um, yeah, where is it? It's just like some dots, some random dots. Yeah, but what does it like? Did you find out where, like where it is? Yeah, I'm not sure universe. where. I can kind of tell you. So this next part actually kind of leads into your question. Okay. So, so the, here's the evidence that I'm going to tell you about. It's the star map that she drew from memory from the spacecraft. The purple dress she was wearing that night. That she had kept for 40 years in her closet. Oh, neat. It was torn and covered with a mysterious dust. And also... dust, like moth dust, because it's been sitting in a closet for 40 years? Possibly. (laughs) Um, Also, the reports of the Air Force's official blue book that stated the radar confirmed the presence of UFOs on that night. Okay. So... I guess I actually talk about the purple dress first. So, And that's just really quick. So, her dress... Uh, the zipper was found to be torn, and she had kind of hung it in the closet. Two years later, after the hypnosis, she got it out and said there was, like, a strange pink dust on it. So she hung it up again. And 40 years later, <laughs> when a group of crop circle investigators examined it, they concluded that the do- dress had a a weird biological substance on it. Oh, okay. So that's the dress part. This is the star map part, which I find really interesting. So, in her original written story, she described the alien star map as it was, like, three-dimensional when she saw it. But to redraw it, it had to be two-dimensional because she's redrawing it. Yeah. So, it's a roughly, a rough drawing of seven or eight dots connected by lines. So, several years later, a school teacher named Marjorie Fish read a book about the hills, and she decided... That she was going to take some beads and strings and convert her living room into a three-dimensional version of the galaxy based on the 1969, I don't know how to say this, Jalassi? Jalassi? I don't know, star catalog. (laughs) Whatever, the star catalog from that year. So she, like, was like, fuck it. And she just got some beads and followed this whole star catalog and made her entire fucking living room look like the galaxy. I want to see that. That seems cool, right? Yeah. I want to see what that looked like. But then also people think you lost your mind. Oh yeah, for sure. So she spent several years viewing her galaxy from different angles trying to find a match for Betty's map. Wow. So she just left that shit up for years. For a while. (laughs) 
So she eventually concluded that it was Zeta Reticuli. Reticuli? A galaxy? Sure. Okay. She she concluded I'm going to go and assume that's in a galaxy. Yeah, she concluded that it was the alien's homeworld. Other UFOologists have proposed innumerable different, like, interpretations of it. Like, no, that's not right. It's this area or this. Yeah. Carl Sagan and other astronomers have said that it's not even a good match for Zeta Reticuli and that Betty's drawing is far too random and imprecise to make any, like, actual use of it. With it being two-dimensional instead of three-dimensional, it's really hard for you to tell yeah anything so her map can't it doesn't it could potentially contain useful information but it doesn't because it's not 3d yeah that makes sense lastly the reports of the sightings the first report was from Pease air force base around 82 miles southeast of indian head at 2 14 in the morning so the hills got home to portsmouth at five in the morning on september 20th yeah so their story states that they came to after their medical experiments about 35 miles southeast of Indian Head and near the town of Ashland. So from Ashland to Portsmouth, it's like a 45-minute drive. So so they came to in their car around 3.15. Was their car just moving and then they're just like, whoa. Yeah, like they ca- they lost time. They were still driving. They were still yeah. moving in their car. That's crazy. So chronologically, it puts the Pease Air Force Base UFO radar evidence squarely in the middle of the Hill's hour of medical experimentation. So like while they were on the spacecraft. That's creepy. So the second report is from the North Concord Air Force Station, a small hilltop radar station that was about 40 miles north of Indian Head at 522 p.m. on September 19th. This is about several seven-ish hours before they observed the light in the sky like it's not exactly like yeah they saw this you know this radar it was definitely the same thing that they witnessed yeah. but it was reported in project project blue book's notes and they were each of the targets were extremely high altitudes and low speeds um they did try to say like oh these were weather balloons you know yeah, after they're like course. what are these things Weather balloons. Of course they're weather balloons. They're weather balloons that reflect the sunlight because they're so high up in the sky. Right. So they stuck by their story for years, despite the skeptics. Barney Hill passed away, and then Betty Hill stuck with their story and still talked about it for, like, years and years. So like many abductees, the couples never felt false memory or sleep paralysis explained what they had experienced. Yeah. So Betty became known as a voice in UFO research, and she has claimed to have been visited multiple times in the decades to follow. Oh, neat. So that's kind of the gist of the Betty and Barney Hill story. There's, like, a lot more that you can, like, look up about it. You could go listen to that whole thing about their hypnosis, which I want to do, but I also know it's going to be so creepy. Yeah. I sort of want to get hypnotized to, like, be healthy yeah and i don't have to work out right there yeah well like i will work out you will work out every day (laughs) yeah so but yeah that's the story do you know it i didn't you didn't no i i probably knew it somewhere in my brain but no nothing really rang a bell besides like normal alien abduction stories 
Right. So I thought the thing with the star map and the teacher was so fascinating. Yeah. Like, can you imagine leaving that up in your house for years? Y- no. <laughs> like no. What I thought of was that uh, always sunny, um, <laughs> meme, <laughs> where like you're just always uh looking for answers, right? Yeah. 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 I like it. But yeah, that was it. Just wrap it up. That was our stories. Yeah, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. Goodbye. Well, you have to do the outro. Do we? Yeah. I think people listen enough to like, no. (laughs) But if you don't know. (laughs) If you don't. (laughs) Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us anywhere where you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on social media at... You can find us on Twitter at the MFCast. You can find us on Instagram at Marble Forest Podcast and on Facebook at... Oh, well, I was... I, I guess I'm doing Facebook. I guess you could do Facebook. I'll do the email address. Is it? I don't even know the Facebook, so just kidding. You can email us at MarbleForestPodcast at gmail.com and send us your stories. Like, if you've got any crazy aliens or hauntings, send them to us. We want them. Yeah. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marble Forest Podcast. I couldn't remember how the Facebook links worked. So. That's it. It's it's pretty simple. Even though I listen to it every week or so, you know, I just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whenever we record, <laughs> which is like so random. It is. Uh, you can also find Jenna, who did our logo on Instagram and Etsy at Agenda. That is a Jen duh. Because duh, you gotta go find Jenna on Instagram. Um, go find Jenna. Her art's amazing. Yes. Uh, and a special thanks to my cousin Cameron, who did our music. And, and Devin, who's not here. And, and you. You, the listeners. Oh, I thought you were saying me, yeah, Jesse. Thank, thank you, Jesse. Yeah, I work really hard. Thank you for being here today in your own house. <laughs> You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And that does it. That's all for us. So uh, don't tempt fate. By eating your livestock. Friends. Friends. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.